Okay, so I grew up on a small farm, right? Animals everywhere. Cows, horses, goats, chickens, dogs, cats. My brother had a snake and a turtle. I had a parakeet. And on a small farm like ours, it is super hard work. Long, long year, back-breaking labor through the freezing cold, the tropical heat. And so what if some point, after all that, you want to go on vacation? To take a break, head down to Florida, lay on the beach for a while. Maybe even a quick trip to Disney World. What do you do? What do you do? You stay your sorry butt at home. That's what you do, because these cows ain't going to milk themselves. These chickens aren't going to muck their own coops. I promise you that. So pull up a chair from her, boy. You ain't going nowhere. Nowhere, never, never, nowhere, never. Farmers, they like to trade stories over the fire about how Jack McNair thought he could go to the cabin out by the lake and stay overnight with his little lady friend. <laughs> overnight. Came back to find his barn a smoldering ruin. You do not get a day off. Because in having an animal, you make a pact with the animal. Yes, you might eat it later on someday, but until that time arrives, you have a responsibility, a solemn obligation to take care of that animal. So even if you want to ride Pirates of the Caribbean, visit the gift shop, there are certain things you can't do. And that's why today, on Snap Judgment, we proudly present Rudy the Pig. A very different kind of animal story. Remember, never think for even a moment about where bacon comes from when you're listening to Snap Judgment. the bayou, New Orleans, but first we're going on a ride and Connie is driving while her husband Jim, Jim has no idea what is in store. Jim, take it away. She says, let's go take a ride in the country. We drive down a street that's not even marked and here's a house set back and it has a sign out that says pigs for sale. She said, oh, look, let's stop and check out the pigs. And I'm like, that sounds like a good idea. You know, let's sit and watch the pigs play. Jim and Connie sat on a concrete bench. They stared at a huge Victorian dollhouse. The little door was wide open and piglets were running in and out. The little pigs were the size of corgis. And these little adorable creatures are running around, and they're running by, and the mother looked pretty big, even though this was supposed to be a Vietnamese potbelly pig. And then Connie says to me, okay, which one do you want? What, what are you talking about, which one do I want? Pick out a pig. We can't have a pig. 
Why can't we? We have a no pet policy. She said, if you don't pick out which one you want, I'm going to pick out the one I want. The little piglets were running up to the fence, but there was one that was scared. He stared at the front door and saw a tiny snout poking out. It was the runt of the litter. The palm-sized piglet slowly emerged, and then it rushed back inside. But she wouldn't venture more than a few feet out of there because she was so terrified. And I said, okay, I'll take the scary one. And then the owner had walked over, and I said, as long as it's a female, because females are the smartest of every, every different group, even in humans. Guys who just learn that, they know they're never going to win an argument with a woman, so just leave it alone. So we got into Connie's van and put the pig right in the back of the van, and the pig was snorting, wasn't crying, was snorting the whole way. And I, I kept looking over at this, and I said, this is, nobody has a pig. <laughs> a pig for a pet? So that's how I ended up with the pig, and people ridiculed me all the time. Wait a second, you have a pig? Why do you have a pig? I got set up. They named her Rudy and put her in the family Christmas photos. When my father and mother came to visit for the first time since we'd had this pig, and my mother was a very elegant woman, I don't know if you're familiar with the show Leave it to Beaver, but my mother was June Cleaver. She gets out of bed and looks like she had just come from the hairdresser. Some of my friends would always notice, your mom has the nicest shoes. And I would never even bother to look at her shoes. So her first encounter with Rudy, Rudy ran out of a closet and sniffed at her and then urinated on her new shoes. like, get the hell out of here. This is my man. <laughs> you know, that's so she's marking her shoes. And then my father was like saying a lot of expletives and you're just crazy. But then that, that evening he fell asleep on the couch and I saw that Rudy was snuggling with him and he had his arm around Rudy and Rudy was resting her snout on, on his shoulder. And it's like, okay. <laughs> She slept in a closet. Uh, right when you walk in our front door, there's a big, big, huge closet, and the door would just be cracked. But people would lose stuff all the time, their car keys. Their, their, she loved going in through women's purses, especially if she could find, excuse me, this, her uh, Tampax or something, or breath mints. And people were losing stuff, and they'd say, oh, let me check under Rudy's blanket. Oh, there's the keys. What's that? Oh, man, that's... Oh, that's what so-and-so was asking for. Oh, what's this? And yes. Rudy quickly grew too big for her litter box, so they started going on these glorious walks through the streets of New Orleans. She sniffed out the routes. She strolled by the big mansions along St. Charles Avenue. They had the best acorns. So... Uh, I would show her off sometimes. Somebody would come up and say, our pigs is as smart as they say. I said, mm, okay, watch this. I'd step off the curb and say, Rudy, poop. 
and she'd step off the curve and poop. <laughs> uh, she was walking, and all of a sudden a police car comes zooming up and pulls over, and she was like, oh no, now we're in trouble because we're in the city and we have a farm animal, and it's against the law, and that they were going to come and they were going to bust Rudy. <laughs> if, they had, if they had told us that we couldn't have a pig within the city limits, that would have been a tough thing because we both love New Orleans so much. But so the police pulled up, and she, my wife froze in her tracks. But the police came walking up to her and said, Hey, ma'am, do you mind if we have pictures with the pig? So they were there and they wanted pictures and taking turns and pictures. We're joking, since we don't have any children, I used to have fun with, I keep a little picture of Rudy in my wallet and I'd, on a plane or something, I'd say, hey, you want to see a picture of my, my daughter? You know, and the person just polite, yeah, okay. And then you pull out a picture of a pig and they say, well, where's your daughter? And I said, that's her. And they just look over at me. <laughs> I was had missing part of my prefrontal cortex. <laughs> she still stayed a size where you could pick her up, but then eventually she got where it took two of us to pick her up, and then eventually you just didn't even try to pick her up. <laughs> Now they had this creature, and this creature had their hearts. She was too big to ever be loaded into a carrier or the backseat of a car. She couldn't fly or even swim, but she grew to 250 pounds. She would sprint for acorns, but only on her terms. Pigs are extremely intelligent animals, and they don't look like it because they're low to the ground and they look like a giant sausage, and you can't find their eyes, and you just you just don't give them credit for being as loving and brilliant as they are with their owners. But she worshipped the ground they walked on until I got there, and we were all scum because <laughs> I never come to do anything nice to Rudy. This is Dr. Allison Barca, Rudy's vet. Do you have any other fun memories of Rudy when you would do the house calls? fond memories. They, they're not really fond. <laughs> Rudy was a pain in the butt. It was hard work. Rudy hated getting her nails cut. Rudy was a workout. We had to have two or three people and it was all very physical at the, and nobody could speak because Rudy was screaming bloody murder and your eardrums were about to blow out. Rudy was a pig who knew what she wanted. And one day on her neighborhood walk with Jim, she got an idea. And it was only four blocks from where I used to live, but she'd always go in a different direction where all the acorns were. But this time she turned the other direction. I said, oh, okay, we'll see what this brings. And then we get by this house. Rudy stopped in front of this old Victorian house. It was reminiscent to the Victorian piggy house where Jim first found her. Jim climbed up 12 steps and opened the front door. It was empty, but people were painting and it was for sale. All the family had to do was build some ADA pig stairs. And then they all moved into Rudy's dream Victorian. 
when I, I'd watch baseball games back on our futon and she was just so happy when she'd come there and, 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 and lay down next to me as I'm watching a baseball game. And I felt like all was right with the world when I had my pig at my side and the Braves were winning the baseball game. And I thought, you know, it just doesn't get much better than this. I guess I set the bar pretty low. <laughs> everyone. I'm Valerie Carter and here's what's happening. Surf's up and rough in Gulf Shores tonight. Within 30 minutes, conditions at the Alabama shoreline have gone from sunshine to rain and people all along the Gulf Coast are preparing for the worst. Hurricane Katrina is churning in the Gulf of Mexico tonight, building up strength. And that morning I opened the paper and saw this monster coming towards New Orleans and showing the track. The newspaper is called This Monster. Hurricane Katrina. So we never leave for hurricanes because my wife was essential personnel at Turo Hospital. So we go through the song and dance every time a hurricane would even threaten. She'd pack a bag and go to the hospital and she wouldn't leave till everything was cleared out. Jim and Connie had this unspoken understanding. Connie took care of her patients, and Jim took care of the cats and Rudy. Moving Rudy was out of the question. Can you imagine checking a pig into the Holiday Inn? And uh, she knew I was going to hold down the fort. And little did we realize that this great cataclysm was going to happen and, and everything was going to be turned on its head. Little did we realize. Connie and Jim got supplies ready for the hurricane. They had their water, and Rudy had her fresh-cut fruit bowls. It was almost Jim's 50th birthday. People were dropping by to break bread with him before leaving town. The party wasn't supposed to be till the late afternoon. But then as people were leaving, they'd stop by and get a sandwich or bring me some crappy beer, Coors Light. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so... I have one, uh, several different neighbors that are diehards that are like me, never leave. And they say, nah, I'm going to ride this one out. And then you look out the window and you see them loading up their car. <laughs> and it, it's kind of unnerving when you look around and almost everybody's gone. And I'm still here. You, you start to really have second think, but what am I going to do? I can't load a pig. In, into a car, and I had two friends that were riding out the storm and, and, uh, and like three cats. You know, what are you going to do? So there was Jim, Rudy, and the two cats. Then two neighbors joined, and another friend dropped off another Jimungus cat. They were all there to ride it out together. Rudy, Rudy was freaking out. We lost power about 3 o'clock in the morning. We all slept, you know, me and my two friends, in the living room, and Rudy's in her closet. And then when the wind started picking up and the window started blowing out and my kitchen ceiling collapsed and um, upstairs took off part of my roof and we were having gusts 
uh, I'd say about 130 miles an hour where sustained winds were about 100. And Rudy was freaking out, so I gave her a large bowl of Chardonnay. Uh, and she gobbled that up and went and laid down in her room while this was all going on. Um, and it, it deteriorated from there. That was, that, it went, it, it, got, it got really bad. And it's similar to what I have heard at Warfare. It's periods of total terror interspersed with boredom because in, in between some things die down and I think, okay, well, we got through that, then it start back up again. By the um, afternoon after the storm had passed, I furiously went out and I said, I gotta get Rudy out, moving everything away, and is this a big enough spot, okay. Now, you know, it's kind of embarrassing to say this, but when I get outside, I kept saying, poop, Rudy, poop. But then I went back into the house because I just kind of leave her alone out there. And then um, I was out in the front of the house, and that's when I saw the water coming out of the manhole cover, and I just kind of stood there and watched it. And it just kept coming and coming and coming. I'm like, and it started spreading across the street and spreading into my yard and I'm like so mesmerized by this massive amount of water that starts rising and it's coming fast. My first thought was where is this coming from? What is happening here? Why? What's happening? I have um, 10, 12 steps to my front door and the water was up on the third step and I walked down the steps and I looked in the water and there was fish swimming around. That's when I really thought this was apocalyptic. I'm like, look, there's fish. Then I ran to the back. Rudy was, the water was up to her, uh, halfway up her legs. And she's just standing there, kind of, looking like what in the hell is going on here <laughs> it's like she can't figure it out what's but she wasn't making any movement to go back and I'm like come on Rudy I didn't know how much water we were gonna get I didn't know what was gonna happen but I knew I just had to get her in the house but it was she came up those stairs pretty fast and she came up and got her fruit and the water came up so fast within a few more hours it was up to the sixth step then to the eighth step. My next door neighbor has a pickup truck and the water was over the roof of his pickup truck. And on the corner, the stop sign, the water was over the top. how horrible it was when the levees broke. Jim and Rudy didn't understand all that yet, but they did need to figure out a way to survive. Stay tuned.
back to snap judgment when last we left. Water had just flooded the streets of New Orleans, reaching the top of cars and stop signs. Jim and Rudy, they hunkered down with no idea when the water would stop rising. But soon, very, very soon, Jim's going to need to leave the house. Snap judgment. The phone lines were down, so Jim didn't know what was going on. But he kept on hearing this sad, sad wailing from the house across the street. The crying kept on going on and on, and Jim realized that it was the sound of the neighbor's cat that had been left behind. So I had to get out in that filthy water because the water got filthier and filthier because Monday morning was supposed to be garbage pickup. So everyone had the garbage out there. So the flood, when it started flooding, it, all the garbage was floating. It was different currents going through. I could, uh, anyway, I had to get out in that filthy water, and I used an axe to break down their front door, and went upstairs. And their ceiling had collapsed, and there was this terrified cat that's curled up, just wailing, and its food was all ruined by the collapsed ceiling and its water. So I ended up going and and feeding it. Every few days, Jim would wade across the water to feed the abandoned cat. But at his house, the drinking water was running low and Rudy seemed distressed. She stayed in the closet, lying on her side. She wasn't eating, drinking, peeing, or pooping. Then when the... um, 82nd Airborne came through, the guys with the red berets, they came through and these boat came by with a bunch of them in there. And they cursed me out for all I was worth. Told me I was an effing crazy man and what the F am I doing there and I should be the F out of there. And, and I said, look, I've got a 250 pound potbelly pig I've got this enormous cat that probably weighs 30 pounds. I've got two other cats there, and I'm feeding this cat across the street. I'm not going anywhere. And I just walked into the house. One of the Red Berets filmed the whole encounter, and Jim ended up on the evening news. As the rest of his neighbors were being evacuated, Jim and his two friends stayed behind, taking care of the animals, without power. I can remember after about so many days, my worry wasn't the house or anything else. It was all folk thinking about Rudy and what am I going to do about Rudy and, and worrying so much about her and her absolute favorite, even beyond the tomatoes, is the grapes. So I had some grapes in my hand and I tried to put them up to her mouth and she wouldn't take it. We just dropped to the ground, so she just decided to quit eating. And I tried going in there, and then I really started getting concerned more and more and more, because I didn't want to see her die in that that closet. And if I had evacuated, I couldn't take her with me, so she would have died in the closet. So I, I was, it was just at that point that Uh, I just got more and more worried as the days progressed. Jim and his friends sit on the porch, and they all stare at the water. And then far off, 
they see something. And then um, I heard some screaming, and I told my friends, we were sitting on the porch, let's go inside, that's another walker. There were people walking through the waters that were mumbling to themselves and had nowhere to go and didn't know what they were doing. That's what I called the walkers. But all of a sudden we heard the screaming and we looked down the street and we saw somebody's head go up under the water because there's trees and then pop back up. And then as this figure got closer, I realized it was my wife. And, And then I'm like, that's Connie, it's Connie. And she makes it to the thing and she's like, oh my God, oh my God. And we hug each other, oh God. Just seeing Connie, it was, oh, it's so good to, oh, you know. And she said, you know, I never even wished you a happy birthday. <laughs> and I said, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't worried about my birthday. Jim and Connie hugged, and then his friends brought out the bleach to clean Connie off. She told them all about how she ended up there. They had evacuated everyone with the National Guard out of the hospital over to the West Bank, but she came back. She had hidden a a, a car, my car, in a parking garage that was submerged, but the car was right up against the wall anyway. She had made it back she put on some clothes, and the minute she got inside the house, her first question was, how are you all getting rid of your waste? I'd gotten a bucket, a big bucket, uh, and put a trash bag in there and say, guys, you're going to have to sit on this bucket. And one guy just couldn't do it. He kept going and said, I just get you know, you're just constipated. And, you know, I was able to do it. And then you tie it up and you'd sling it out as far as you could out into the water and there was different currents. But sometimes you'd sling it and it ended up hanging on a tree. So you're looking at this waste hanging from a tree and say, oh God. And then sometimes you'd throw out the waste and it started coming back through one of the streams back to the house, right? And then this uh, big guy, he actually sat on the bucket and broke the bucket. And that was our only bucket. I was like, Oh, my God, what are we going to do now? So you had to use a trash bag, which is very difficult to do. I'm not talking about a big trash bag. I'm talking about the kind of plastic bags they give you in the store. you got to use that. But as soon as Connie got back, she says, Oh, no, this is toxic waste. We're going to start putting it in in this big cooler that a friend had given me, this giant cooler for my party. So we started filling it that up with with our waste. So we had this huge cooler full of waste. <laughs> That's how focused she was. So from that point on, there wasn't a whole lot of rim. It was just take. She took charge. She just she came in and started kicking ass. <laughs> had started really organizing and what, kind of even putting us into teams. Okay, you guys are going to do this. So it was, it was good having her back. So at that point, the water was so high, I started becoming very desperate because I believe Rudy was dying in that closet. She wouldn't come out. She wouldn't eat. 
Even when I brought her a little cherry tomato, she wouldn't eat. She just laid there. So that's why I think she was depressed. And my wife said, we might want to consider putting her down because here's this, here was a pig that loved to eat, would not eat, would not drink, would not use the bathroom, would not get up out of her room, and was seen to be dying. I was afraid to mention that, but I was thinking the exact same thing, that we might have to put her down. And we both started crying. We talked about, is it better to just let her wear away in the, in the, in the closet, or would it be better decision to just end her misery? There was no easy solution, and we discussed, without using the word, it's humane, most humane thing to do, that it was something that was necessary because there was no solution because they were not rescuing animals. We had a way out. She had no way out. But we had decided that that's what needed to be done Jim was beyond distressed. His headspace was with Rudy, so he moved around the house in a zombie-like trance. When Jim walked past the kitchen, he stopped and picked up the yellow landline phone. There was silence. Jim put the phone down and moved on to another activity. This went on and on and on. Jim continued through the motions of the day, but that late morning, he walked by and picked up the phone, and someone was on the other line. Are you the guy with the pig? And I'm like, yes, that's he. So I called him up, and, I, and he was distraught. Jeffrey Tam was a producer for Canada AM, kind of like Good Morning America. He was in New Orleans to cover Hurricane Katrina, and then he saw Jim on the evening news in his confrontation with the Red Berets and he was interested in Rudy's story. He had told me that soldiers came by and said, uh, mandatory evacuation, and we're going to have to shoot the pig unless something else happens. So I was trying to get my bearings, and I found out that an animal rescue operation was working out of one of the streets. And so me and my camera guy, Tom Michalak, uh, drove down, and we approached um, the, uh, the animal rescue workers and said, hey, I know of somebody with a 300-pound pig that needs to be rescued today. You know, they all looked at me funny saying, what are you talking about? And uh, it was a bit of a media chaos because everybody was trying to get a ride in with, uh, with the, um, the animal rescue people. And um, uh, we, uh, yeah, I said, look, like, I can tell you where it is, but, you know, like, I'd like to be able to be there and have my cameraman and be able to shoot it. Jeffrey started rolling the camera, and they all hopped into the boats. 
they started cruising towards Rudy's place, and the crew had on this special uniform to avoid the toxic waters. Stuart from the animal rescue group started talking. We went out today on um, our first uh, patrol looking for animals that have been left behind after the hurricane. Uh, one of our first calls was uh, for a Vietnamese pot-bellied pig. Oh, one of the animal, animal rescue guys dressed up in a giant waiter who kind of looked like Teletubby pretty much pulled two canoes of crew along with a giant carrier through the, the river streets of this area in, uh, in New Orleans. We get to uh, Jim's house and he's staying on the porch and he could not be any happier to see us. Today when I found out they were going to force us out at a gunpoint if necessary, I thought something good has got to happen. What can happen good? Something good is going to happen and you called and I was like, yes, good has happened. Uh, this is, you know, you guys are angels. I mean, we're happy now. We're happy. This, is, this has been a concern. We can deal with everything else. We can deal with the water. We can deal with the loss, you know, the rebuilding the city. But uh, this is my little girl. And uh, from the sounds, we heard Rudy in the back uh, squealing away which, um, you know, is a little bit unsettling uh, uh, because you don't really see or hear pigs every day. So they had a strategy. They, they wanted to get him in this big cage, and so there was kind of a powwow or how best to do this. Rudy hadn't moved for about two weeks. Not for eating, drinking, grapes, tomatoes, whatever. So she wasn't going to move for a Canadian TV producer. Couldn't get her out of the closet. She wouldn't move. So we had to basically pick her up in her blankets. So it was a little piggy blanket uh, for us. And uh, get him down these slippery wooden stairs. And then we got him to the staircase and the producer of this Canadian uh, Good Morning America uh, slipped on a top step and went tumbling down and hurt himself quite a bit. Turn it a little bit as we go, so we can set it down. That's a happy day, huh? All right, well done, everyone. Well done. Yeah. Good man. Bud, you know your pig's gonna be safe now, right? Okay. And Jim obviously uh, evacuated his house, and then obviously you know the the rest of the story about like Rudy getting kidnapped or kidnapped. After Rudy boated through the flooded streets of New Orleans, she ended up at an evacuation site with horses, goats, and people's pets. Rudy stayed there for months, and in that time, she got pignapped. Jim had no clue until he went to go pick her up. As soon as we got there to get Rudy, there was a lot of security. They stopped us at the gate, and they stopped us, and they wanted to make sure that we were Rudy's uh, owners. A small crowd formed around us. There was several vets and volunteers, so we had a group of about 
six or seven people that crowded around us is they said, do you realize the pig was stolen? I'm like, what? What are you talking about? It was stolen. Yeah, the, we, they, it was stolen. This, this group came and said, and they were the pig group. They were a pig-loving group from North Carolina. Rudy's story somehow made it to North Carolina, to a group of people who loved pigs and decided that she needed to be rescued. Again. And they drove to this place, Lamar Dixon, where all the animals uh, were, so many animals, horses, everything else were taken. And they pretended they were the owners of Rudy and they stole her. And then there was a person that was, that checked on Rudy. And when Rudy was gone, they asked, where's Rudy? And they said, well, the, the owners brought, no, 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 blah, blah, blah. But they put an APB on, out on her not just in this state, but other states, to be on the lookout for a, a truck with a pig. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I know it may just be funny to me, but I think it's pretty damn hysterical thinking about that they go to that much trouble for a pig, which is heartwarming in a certain extent, that they're going to go to that trouble to, to rescue Rudy. <laughs> And they, they pulled over the truck, it was in Alabama, put an APB, look out for a, a truck with a pig in the back. From that point on, they put, a, they put a guard, so they put somebody permanently sitting out there so nobody would take Rudy. So the funny thing is Rudy was buried underneath the hay. After she had been kidnapped, they put her into a stall with this enormous billy goat. It was the size of a pony. That's how big this goat was, what's called Goliath. They put uh, Rudy in the cell, and Goliath wouldn't let anybody come near Rudy. It was two months until Rudy would see Jim again. Jim needed to get the house prepped and ready for a queen's homecoming. But when I showed up to get Rudy, I had to prove that it was so I had some uh, cherry tomatoes in my pocket. And I'm like, hey, you know, I forget how I used to talk to her. I don't want to make baby talk, but but she, all of a sudden her snout, she's buried in this hay. All of a sudden you see the snout pop up out of the straw and I fed her a cherry tomato and she came right up to me and, and sticking her neck and they said, oh yeah, you're her daddy. <laughs> Thanks to Jim and to Connie for sharing their story with us. Thanks as well to Jeffrey Tam and Dr. Allison Barca. Original score for this piece was by Chef Lee. It was produced by Annie Nguyen. Yes, who else, dear friends, who else will take you on an adventure with a pig in a hurricane? None other than Snap Judgment. Follow Snap on any podcast platform for more amazing stories from all over the world. And even better, 
you can rock a Snap Judgment t-shirt. New year, new shirt available right now at snapjudgment.org. Snap is brought to you by the team that is almost entirely vegan. Except for the Uber producer, Mark Ristich. Actually, he's a vegan too. If vegan means gobbles down a pulled pork sandwich every day for lunch, there's Annie Nguyen, Nancy Lopez, Pat Masidi Miller, Anna Sussman, Renzo Gorio, Shayna Sheely, Teo Ducat, Flo Wiley, John Facile, Rissa Dodge, Regina Beriaco, Davy Kim, Bo Walsh, and David Exame. This is not the news. No way is this the news. In fact, you can see your neighbor taking his strange new dog for a walk. But this odd dog, instead of barking at cars, says oink. And you would still, even then, not be as far away from the news as this is. But this is PRX. PRX. 